Lynette Ebbett. How are you today? Hey, Keely, really good. So good to be here. It is so good to be here chatting with you again. I feel lucky. It was only a week ago that I got to sit down with you and I get to have a, have more of you. So, yeah, so it's so good to see you. And, yes, you're right. A week ago we just played with a figure eight and was pretty excited about talking about my book because I haven't talked about it for a while. But this week we're going to be talking a little bit more about the the Earth Angel Archetypes. That is true. But before we get into that, I actually wanted to ask you a burning question that I've had, and it, it's about having an ethical morality. And the biggest test of that, when you take a trolley at the shopping centre, do you return it back to the shopping trolley bay? Or are you one of those people that just you just pop it in the gutter and walk off? Which, which one are you? Or you pop it in the gutter and you run. No. <laughs> No, are you one of those people? No, no, I'm I'm the person that takes it back. Yeah, I take it back. And, you know, because it's kind of fun too because you get to put the little kind of, you know, the little thing in the hole like, and then you got the chain and then you get your $2 back. Like there's a reward to it, right? Yeah, I think so. But there are a lot of people that don't. They just go, oh, well, it's and they get those, you know, the tokens. So you just get and they cost like 20 cents. Someone said that the biggest test of someone's character is Will they do the right thing when no one's looking? Because they don't have to. I thought that was an interesting question. I thought, you know what? I am always the person that will take it. It doesn't matter if it's at the other end of the bloody shopping center. I will walk it all the way back. And I'll even make sure I put the the thingy back in the slot. So the job is done. Whatever that thingy, thingy is. But yes, I get it. It's actually similar to walking your dog. Okay. And then when your dog does poo poo. What do you do? Do you keep walking or do you do the right thing? I'm a dog poo picker upper up. Um, From way? I am. No, I am. I am. There's been an odd occasion where you, you get caught without a bag. You go, you know what? For all the times that I did the right thing, this offsets it. So that's okay. I do know a lot of people that will not pick it up. I know that they will go poop and run. Yeah, we know that because of every morning when you see it and you have to actually avoid it, that there are a lot of people out there that do the whole, oh, it's really dark and no one sees, you know, but the seven o'clock by the time the sun comes up, everybody sees. It's kind of an assessment of character when you, whether you'll do the right thing. Yes. Based on, yeah, when no one's looking versus will you do something different if you're being watched? Anyway. I just thought that was an interesting little yeah. no, it's a good I think there'll be people out there going, oh, yeah, I'm the one that ran this morning. Yeah, I reckon. That, and if you are that person that ran away and I stepped in your dog's turd, <laughs> exactly. you and I are going to have words. <laughs> we remember. Yeah, we never forget. It's not okay. I don't like stepping in dog poo. It's just it's not mm. okay. And you don't know sometimes until you get home and you're like, What's that? And then you realise there's a, there's a bit of poop on your shoe. I tell you, I just moved into my new home and I, t- I was just so excited about the carpets, which are this gorgeous champagne colour. Mm-hmm. And um, exactly that happened was one of the lovely removers. They were Octagon. They were the best company ever, by the way. Uh, but, of course, as they were moving uh, the furniture around, someone had let their doggy leave their boo-boo on the pavement and he walked up the stairs. With the dog poo on your new champagne-coloured carpet. Yeah. (laughs) I hadn't even gone up and got to the top floor yet. Were you mad? Uh, No, it was just like, seriously, 
So, yes, I, I back you no matter what time of day, whether it's you or not, you need to pick up your poo. Yes, because someone with brand new champagne coloured carpet yeah. will end up with smears of dog crap all over it. And that is um, not okay. Um, yeah. Yeah. Okay. You know what? That's fine. That's fine. I believe in karma. So just, just exactly. remember that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and we're watching, remember, there's always camera. Yeah. Oh, nowadays, everybody will see. Yeah. Even if no one's watching with their eyes, it's yeah. being watched. Anyway, mm-hmm. sorry. That was like a little side note that I thought, let's ask. That is out there. Anyway. So yeah. I thought, let's talk about your book. You're very clever. You've you. written this amazing book, which I had a good look through over the weekend. Illustrations are amazing. Even the writing, the style of writing is so concise, it's so heartfelt, and it's easy to understand. So anyone can read this book and just go, wow, this is this is a game changer. And oh, how amazing I you really, hear. really appreciate you saying that because, yeah, um, my graphic designer and I really wanted every page to jump out. So if you are that person that says, just want to open a page and and just get some inspiration or you know have the epiphany or you know that that sort of shift paradigm shift you can get that by just opening a page or, or sort of person where maybe you're on holiday and you've got some time you can read front to back so it's sort of designed for all different types of writers. yeah it's exciting and you talk a lot there's at the start what caught my eye was the archetype so there's 12 angel archety- earth angel archetypes <laughs> I'll get my right. around that. And yeah. I thought that was really interesting because you relate it back to stages of your life and how these archangel types have come in and manifested in your life in certain ways. And then how did they come through? How did you bring these these 12 down? Why is there only 12? Is there more than 12? Or can more appear? What is it? Yeah, so in terms of how they were created or how they they became who they are now is it was simply a process over a long period of time. I was uh, often uh, dropping my daughter to school and then I'd have half an hour to myself and I'd be processing the day and what I've learned from the day before and what what I'm getting ready for for that day. And I would just allow these characters to come through me, which was such a joy. So I'd just have the lead pencil I just let these characters sort of come out onto this sketch pad and they actually form themselves. I would try and sketch them one way and they'll it just I could feel the energy just going, nope, not that way, you know, this way. And their persona just came out. And I'm sure it's how other artists must work where they might feel colours come through or shapes come through or images. And they just, they were just beautiful. It was such a beautiful process and really calming. It was mindfulness for me to let these characters come through. And they all have their own kind of driver, which is what we all we all have. We have this inherent sort of core driver in us of who we are. And then sometimes we need a little bit of a different driver to learn from or to support us to get somewhere. Twelve archetypes are quite insightful into who are you, which which driver is you, or which driver do you need? And do you find that that changes throughout your life? Because you did say that at the start of your book that you had different archetypes manifesting at certain points earlier in your life versus you know when you had a child they were very different and would you say that that is the quality that you would see for most people that it is it will change it's not going to be this is it and this is you forever there will be changes coming through as you age and life changes and basically 
coming back into your heart energy of what your heart energy energy wants to bring to the world. So you have an inherent driver in you, but then you might need a little bit of another driver to get you through. I think yeah. maybe we need to break them down first. Like what are they yeah. and why is it important for me to actually figure out which one I'm at right now? What's my dominant one? Where am I? What yeah. do I need from this? The first one I read was the conscious entrepreneur archetype. What is that one? So he's this sort of, you know, you know, he's the persona. He's this gorgeous little character who, again, has a real driving force to make change. Yeah. Yeah. So they they have this energy of um, they think outside of the square. He's got a vision, so he sees where things could go or what could be created. And then he kind of thinks, how's he going to do it? And so he could be, he's often a very inspirational person. And if you sort of put logic in there of, oh, you can't do that, he will just find a way around it. And he's very good with the right team. Okay. So if he can't, he knows the gaps, he has the vision, that's his thing. And if he needs people with different skill levels, he'll just bring them in. But you can't say no to a conscious entrepreneur because they just know that they know that that's what they need to do. That's their vision for the world. They're fantastic to be around because they are really passionate. They can they can burn themselves out because sometimes their passion is bigger than themselves sort of thing. But they're so positive. They love change. They're not scared of change. So that's the first one. What kind of people, what jobs do you often see the conscious entrepreneur in? Like the Richard Bransons of the world, mm. you know, he's an amazing conscious entrepreneur in the way that ever since a kid, he had great vision and, and passion. He knew he had a limitation, which was his dyslexia. He's always found that to be a challenge, but he would say now that that's a super power because he was so good at pe- with with people that he could create the right team that he just... He made things happen. Yeah, he, he sure did. And he's overcome so much. But I did think that he was a great example of a conscious entrepreneur. Let's just keep this going because I want people to really kind of hear it and not overthink it as well. Yeah, like yeah, that's me. Really I, into I'm it. feeling that. Really and that's into it. Yeah. All right, cool. So the next one's the scholar. You talked about the scholar before. What's that? These people really beautiful academics yeah. in the way that they can learn a lot of information. But they also have this amazing kind of engine room of the left brain that can take in a lot of information, but they've actually always got this big heart and this heart where they need to have a purpose on how to use the scholar in them. So they're not just like learning to to make money or be successful. They're learning because they feel that the world needs change. They're wonderful to have on your team. Again, if you're wanting to, let's say the conscious entrepreneur has has a dream of something, they need a scholar to be in their team. But that scholar will see their vision. They're not just doing it because they have to and they're billing time. They really want you to get there because they believe they have a passion and they they believe in the power of team and they believe in the power of this person achieving their goal. You know, they they think out of the box too. They have an opinion. Just a side note, with a lot of tertiary and beyond in that, that space, there's a lot of indoctrination in this is what you should think, not how you should think. So when you create a scholar, you're talking about the person that goes, I have the knowledge, but I've also got this uh, right brain that makes me go, okay, I can really bring the the heart into the knowledge. That's exactly it. Yes, you have got it. Yes, and I'm so lucky to have a few friends that are amazing lawyers and they're exactly like that. You know, that's and hard because there's so much logic involved. Yeah. That that's um, that's an amazing one actually. They can be the bridge and they can make really good sustainable change. 
How would you know if you're, you are that? Because, I mean, there are a lot of people that are very put into that place where it's like you must think this way, but they may actually think that they're heart, heart-centred. So how do they know that they're not? Well, I talk about in the book is that sometimes they'll go, you know, towards that success story and but they'll feel that there's something missing. So they'll be working really hard and you know, they'll be at the top of the game for their own gain and things like that. They're just lost in it because they know that there's something so much more. But then if they go totally kind of boho, you know, out there, and they're like, oh, you're meant to be really using my academia for something. So it's about them finding their own personal sweet spot and it's finding what's right for them. Every person, every scholar is going to be different. Yeah, they're really important. They're a really important archetype, to be honest, for them to really find their, their personal sweet spot there and do what they do best. But I love that more and more scholars who are now at school are being encouraged to think for themselves. Yes. So starting to see themselves as a a very viable energy for you. And it's really important that they have their own opinion while they're learning, you know, realms of information. All right. Beautiful. Loving that one. So the next one is blind faith archetype. It's a guy that just has much charisma and he is passion. He probably won't have all the facts about how he's going to get somewhere, but <laughs> he just he's just he just commits and goes for it. His charisma and his passion and his drive just gets everybody on board. So he'll rally everybody up and they'll be all like, okay, just because you're here, let's be a part of it. Yeah, people just trust them. They just trust them. They'll achieve things and you're like, God, oh, that's amazing. You've done that. Like, how did you do it? And they go, I have no idea. They just they'll just find a way, but because they're different to the scholar, their passion is just the same. Their left brain is probably at a very high tempo. They'll be just like, Well, come on, let's go, blah, 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 blah. And then the at the end they'll go, I have no idea how I did that, but we all got there. For them, the challenge is actually to slow it down so they can explain how they got there. Well, it sounds yeah. a lot like my husband. Like my husband is that very, he's not actually, he's not an academic, but he's very much that slow down, think it through, that kind of scholar brain. Whereas I'm like, I don't know, it'll work. Let's yeah. do it. And and then, yeah, you end up getting to the point. I feel like I just made that happen on sheer willpower and passion alone. <laughs> that's right. And that's really magical. And you know that you know, and and you will attract people who will, will champion you in that. And someone might say, wow, so you know how to how to talk? No, not at all. But they will YouTube to people, they'll feel into it, they'll just get out there and next thing you know they've done it um, and that's it, tick. And overthinking for them is actually probably worse. There's There's no space for the overthink. It's just this is coming from deep within my energies and my passions and my heart. All right, so next one is the earth lover archetype. Tell me more. She's really special at the moment. You know, she's got a lot of work to do, <laughs> which I love the affirmation I grant myself in my love for Mother Earth while I help the world shift one day at a time. Mm-hmm. And obviously we're right in the mix of that as we speak. So, you know, she's the person that in the end of the day, her core strength comes from walking in nature, being connected to nature. She feels really attuned to it. And she can be incredibly sensitive. So if the earth's going through a bit of a shake-up, she's going to feel it and she's going to feel pretty sad or excited if something's moving, you know, in a positive way. So that's that's her grounding force. And she's there sort of championing, hey, let's let's look at the planet as a whole rather than our own individual needs. 
But do you think, I think when you hear Earth Lover, you think of people that are on, you know, a boat in the Atlantic jumping on whales trying to stop a Greenpeace. It's not necessarily that big, is it? It could be something as, for me, when I go for a walk, I'll see some litter on the side of the road and I will always pick up some litter because for me, I go, that's my way of trying to, you know, keep the community beautiful. And can it be something as simple as that? Yeah, or even just loving essential oils, you know, and just grounding yourself and healing yourself with those oils and reconnecting with yourself so you can be the best version of yourself. You know, you might decide to be a a naturopath or homeopath. It's sort of working, or even a kinesiologist, it's like working with the elements and understanding that we really are a part of a bigger system than just ourselves. And that is hard for a lot of people to come to terms with, I think, especially when we're very in the brain, very think, 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 there's off yeah yeah all right next one the giver archetype this one I I was very interested in she's beautiful so she she basically helps people ride their own wave until she gets to a point where she learns how to ride ride her personal wave yeah so she's helping people to learn how to be the best version of themselves so she's that person that will check in on you she's that counselor that social worker that nurse or a beautiful mum that is kind of like the life coach to to everybody in the family. Uh, she just loves to give. Uh, she's a beautiful energy. There is a tipping point, though, I think in about her 40s where she starts understanding her own value, and mm. that's when she starts finding her own power. Like you see a lot of givers, they will end up quite burnt out because the flip side is that they're always giving or they always want to keep giving and are they not that good at receiving sometimes? That's right. So their risk is definitely burnout as well. So they need to be making sure they're surrounding themselves with people that say, hey, you know what, maybe it's time for you or I'll make you a beautiful meal or, hey, let's go down to some hot springs or, you know, just to give yourself some time out because they wake up and, you know, first thing in the morning, who needs them? Do you know what I mean? They worry about people. They genuinely care about people. Yeah, they make everybody else first. They do need a little bit of help just to pull back a little bit and find themselves. And I think working in the healing health space, we tend to meet a lot of givers. You see them when they're pushed to the brink of emotional, physical breakdown sometimes. So it's such a gift, I think, to be a giver, but it can also be sometimes, yeah, the, the obviously the, the burden of that is that you yeah. don't take time with yourself. Yeah, you can overcook it a little bit. But they're such beautiful people and these are the people that that are, are there that, that give you time, that have that kind ear, that can give that little piece of advice that get you moving again. So they're so important in the community, but we do need to take a little bit of care of them as well. I think they're the ones that need to actually be nurtured sometimes the most. <laughs> yeah. All right, next one, the athlete. So I was a little surprised to see the athlete archetype in there. What is that about? Oh, they're the warriors. I mean, they really are. They're the people who have perfected their particular craft or their passion towards a a physical goal. What happens is they get to a point where they have been so successful in what they've done with their discipline and their understanding of their own body and what it can do and what it can't do that they become leaders. They are phenomenal for us because once they get to that level, then they can be true inspiration for new generations coming through, new communities, and they really are all about clean living and, and you know, helping the little ones find their own confidence. Yeah, again, a true inspiration. So 
athletes are key. They're the ones that you, you know, when you hang out with someone who's a real athlete, you know, Barney, who's a really beautiful friend of mine, he was a personal trainer, um, but he's now a breathwork facilitator. But his aura of strength because of all those years of, you know, he was in rugby and then personal training and all those sort of modalities. And, you know, he's just got this aura of strength because he understands his body, but he's taken that knowing to being a facilitator and a leader. And he just feels safe in his presence. Yeah, it's not always about the actual physical act of, I don't know, being able to kick a ball or throw a basketball. It's actually about them having an a deep understanding of what they're capable of. That's right. And uh, what's it? Jordan Peterson says something along those lines too, where he says, it's better to know that you're capable of great violence and never use it than to not know what you're capable of because that will make you quite weak. And I thought that's actually quite true because if you know what you are capable of and you never, ever, like if you're a martial artist and you know you could just like poke someone in like the eye and they'll die, <laughs> you but you never do it. That is that the you have knowledge and wisdom and power that others don't, and you know you, but you obviously protect and nurture that and use it for good. So right. I, I love that. I love yeah, gladiators. They are absolute gladiators, and they're leaders, and we need them. But also, if you're, let's say, if your passion is to be a scholar, you really need those athletes to keep you moving. You really need the athlete to guide you and keep you strong while you are going through those stressful, you know, meetings or difficult setups that you've got to go through where you're using your mind but not your body. So the athlete's really important for them to be a role model and an inspiration to all the other archetypes, really. All right, next one. That's a little bit of you, but the athlete's a little bit of you, hey? Possibly, yeah, yeah, a little bit. (laughs) And conscious entrepreneur, yeah. The next one we've got is quantum leap archetype. He's gorgeous. Uh, so he really can see the patterns in things. He's that IT guy or that digital marketing guy who can really see how things work faster than other people. They they have a real, I, I drew him as, he came through as this kind of like alien-like energy because they really can see things differently to the rest of us. And they love going down into that uh, rabbit hole of seeing the infinite potential of patterns. I love using Steve Job as uh, Jobs as an example of that. You know, what who would we be or what would the world look like without someone like him with his expansive thinking? Um, he was a mixture, of course, of a quantum as well as a, a blind faith, really. He just created the team and got on with it. And everything we're doing right now, everything we work with is thanks to him. Yeah, very analytically minded in a lot of ways, but also was it what you said, able to use his heart and his, we're going to make it happen. And I don't think that he was always the most popular guy for some of the things he did, but for him, that was the blind faith coming in as well, wasn't it? That it's like, well, this is how it has to work. This is this is the vision. We've got to get there. Yeah. And definitely he created change, which people don't, don't like that idea. But geez, for right brain learners, you know, look what he's created for people who learn through conversation, connection, and um, you know, YouTube's and things like that. Like he's changed their life. Yeah, no, that's true. So the quantum is very important in that space. All right, next one, the dancer. Okie dokie. Oh, the dance is true to my heart. I have beautiful friends who are dancers, and you know, the dancers are not only. Well, they like I said, they they move their body freely in order to find their own rhythm, expressing what is all of them, um, their true sense of self. 
they are the the true core of their soul because you can't be a dancer without really connecting in with yourself. Dance has been around forever and they bring communities together. Even if you can't dance, the reality is that if you give it a go, you have a really good giggle and you feel more connected to someone than if you don't. Dance also allows your brain to think, allows it to reboot. You know, with kinesiology, we use it as a part of cross-crawl and things like that, brain gym. It binds people together. You can be three having fun dancing, you know, with an 80-year-old. It, it, it creates connection. Like so, dance for, even just for energy movement and flow, it's been used tribally as well for, forever. They get it, you know, and you, it's a universal language universal language absolutely and you know it allows you to express like you say your emotions so you have a bad day you can get it out through dance um or or an expression of love and connection like it has every part um of who we are as humans in terms of expression in there that you do for yourself rather than projecting onto someone else all right and then the next one kind of feeds into that i thought was the muso archetype so the muso is that person that you know, they put the music into their own story. You know, they're the storytellers. Right. You know, they're the romantics. I love, I love the muso's brain. When you tune into the brain, it's just full of beautiful colors. They see the life, they see life through frequencies of tones, of sounds, but also through words. So they can be incredibly powerful. The muso can tell a story that can wake up, you know, like a a generation but they can also move a crowd if you're a high power muso you know you can really shift people's thinking and again create connection and community yeah um, I, I guess I had never thought of a muso as sort of an archetype that you would in, because but you're right because I'll use music say in my yoga classes and people will be wow I was vibrating on a different level with that music what was it called I'm glad you added that one in, but it wouldn't have been one I thought of. Well, if you think about when you go to a beautiful concert, there could be 10,000 people, no one knows each other at the beginning. Mm -hmm. And then two hours later, you see everyone leaving and everyone's just in the same zen. Yeah. Yeah, it kind of vibrates everyone into the same level, right? Yeah. 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 You're just floating out with this level of connection. All right, next one is the wordsmith. Very, very powerful. I love her. And it's so cute. Like she's sort of come through as this innocent uh, energy, just wants to learn and also wants to express herself through words. Um, They're often very, very introverted, but they can be so powerful. Mm. So I'm free to express all of me as I master the art of the written word. Uh, When you think about it over history, you know, one one slogan or or you know one poem can can again change history i had you know i had a dream i have a dream like that whole idea is still resonating well they say isn't that the old saying you know the pen is mightier than the sword because people will be, be especially in modern the world words hurt sometimes way more than you know any sort of physical acts can that's so true Mm. so yeah she's she's absolutely gorgeous and I think more and more people are using journaling um to find their own uh voice so the wordsmith's really coming into play as everyone's reconnecting with who they really are and want to clear their stuff and want to peel away the layers the wordsmith's really key at the moment so she's coming in pretty strong so I'm excited to see where that goes as you know, the new generation, they're comfortable with expressing. They know what their feelings are. They know how to get their needs met. They've been educated from day one to find themselves through their own. Now it's the responsibility 
of being able to take care of those words and use them, like I said, responsibly. All right, next one, the craftsman. So this is all the tradies out there, isn't it? It is. It really is. (laughs) Yeah, so the craftsman's also absolutely it's to do with the builders. And when you think about it, like who would we be without them? Yeah. Um, The electricians, we've got the plumbers, we've got, of course, the builders, but we've also got landscapers, um, construction workers, but also sculptors. You know, it's anyone who's got an idea and they're channeling it through their hands. That relates to a lot of people. And when you think about us moving around in the world, what who would we be without them? You well, know, the form of creativity. My husband is definitely the craftsman. He he loves making things with his hands, and there's that sense of accomplishment of leaving like almost an in, a resonance or an imprint of themselves in the physical world by using their hands and their skill to to make something beautiful in this world and I love that they're getting more recognized now through all this language of right brain learners left brain learners or kinesthetic learners ADD ADHD I love that they're getting recognized and valued in my house right now they're rebuilding the railway shops it's the buildings they are a part of our community and I think we need to recognize the craftsmen a lot more do you think that it's the craftsman is a little bit more masculine in nature just because it tends to be a lot more men, I think, that in, we could say and point to quite obviously that embody this archetype? Yes, it has been. Who knows that might, can you know, over time as, again, as a more recognised. But I have to say in times are also craftsmen. They've got an idea and then they move things around and make things really pretty. Yeah, it's just that, again, it just comes back to the idea of you've got a vision and you actually turn into something physical, something that's more people-orientated yes. or you know, a business model. It's actually physical. All right, last one, I believe, is the healer. This is the the kind of the energy that has a passion to help people move through their stuff, I guess, and, yeah, to help them realign with their own mind, body, and soul. This can be all sorts of things, but you could be a, a physio that's got this real intention to really connect people back to their true self. It could be a chiro, but of course, then you've got your your Reiki masters and your yogis, the list goes on. I love the fact that when I first started 20 years ago, this wasn't really talked about, but now it's pretty mainstream. Everyone seems to have their healer. <laughs> they have their healer, then they, they kind of have their team, their business coach. People seem to understand that you need a team to get through life and a significant one is a healer. And I think traditionally, if you look across many cultures for 100,000 years, they've always had a healer. There's always been a healer mm-hmm. in like tribes and communities and it just kind of makes sense that you would have someone that is in that because we think you know, oh, doctors, they're our healer, but are they? They're not, they're not the same. They're there to prescribe. They're there to diagnose, but healers don't do that. Healers actually work much deeper than just this is what's physically wrong with you or here's, here's a prescription. For yeah. yeah. They look at the vibration of things and yeah, how that was manifested and why it was manifested. But I love the fact that more and more GPs are moving towards this model. Because oh, I know they it's are. <laughs> I haven't met too many. Yeah, lots of integrated doctors now. They get it. You think that's more in the east? Because I'm like well, I'm in the west of Melbourne, and I can tell you that there are not many out this side. Yeah, definitely, definitely. I have beautiful integrated doctors that come and see me and use the modality of kinesiology and, and intuitive healing. So no, they're really 
they know that it takes all different parts of the body to heal. And yes, sometimes medication is important, but it's really important to look at your lifestyle as well. We all know that. It's about the food you're eating. It's about how much physical and emotional stress you're putting on yourself. And of course, yes, the medical model does have a place at times to help you get through a difficult difficult phase so you can get well. But it's not the, the only phase, as in as healing sometimes isn't the only way either. We're starting to learn how to work together and share information. And I think that's the ultimate goal, isn't it? Because I, I advocate for that. But what I think what I was trying to say is that a healer is not necessarily a doctor in what Western culture kind of considers a healer per se. There's, there's different avenues of healers that may not be as mainstream. I definitely abdicate for the layered approach when you work on physical, mental, emotional health. But definitely, yeah, if you, if you want to differentiate, a doctor doesn't necessarily equal healer in this conversation. And I think we're all getting better at sharing, but knowing what you specialize in. Everyone's sharing. Because, again, if you are part, one of these archetypes, you want the best for the person. Mm. You don't care how they get better. <laughs> Whatever works for them. You know, some people, their constitution is just totally designed for Chinese medicine, you know, and beautiful herbs. Or they might be so sensitive they need homeopathy, um, naturopathy. And then others, it's like, you know what, medication just works for them. The constitution just grabs it and runs. A lot of my beautiful clients through really serious illnesses are using all modalities. Yeah. And they're getting great results by using all modalities. It's it's making sure that we're all equal, I think, is the glitch. Yeah. You know, not one is more powerful or more dominating than the other. Everybody's there with the same intention to get somebody well. Yeah. It's kind of when egos come in um, where people aren't willing to listen to each other mm-hmm. that I think that's when it's a CD. Because yeah. we get results when we all play games. I think so. Uh, look, I think there needs to be a lot of integration happening on that front, but I think that's a conversation, another yeah. conversation completely. <laughs> that That's another hour that we'll put aside for that. In terms of the archetypes, this has been beautiful, absolutely beautiful. And I think people can now, they you've got something to point towards. Go pick mm. up the book. Yeah. Look at the book because it's right. not just it. You you break it down over so many pages, and you're giving them people activities, and you're giving them opportunity to actually really break it down and really look at unpacking what might be their archetype. Thank you. That's exactly it. That's exactly what I was hoping for. And it is about looking at even like you say who your friend is, you know, or who you are, or who your partner is, or who your child is. It's really lovely to go, oh my god, that's so you. Okay, I get you better now, <laughs> and that's so me. I get me better, and yeah. now this is how we can kind of unite, you know, and share. I'm feeling that, and I I love that we got to talk about the archetypes because I think it's such a good starting point. Because I want to get you back, and I want to talk to you about the figure eight model, and I really want to break that down chunk it up and really squeeze the juice out of it so fun so fun and it's such a compliment to this so this is kind of the starting point to go this is who I where I'm at and who I'm at and then go now how do I apply this and we can use your figure eight model to then help people really break this down and like I said these are beautiful entities that come through they're they're superhuman and recruit them you can become them it's weird when you sort of connect with them it seems to come into your life it's the weirdest thing yeah I can't wait so stay tuned guys because next 
session, we're going to really unpack that and maybe get the book. <laughs> if you if you can get the book before then, you're going to absolutely totally understand what is this is all about. You'll have about the illustrations if you're more of a visual learner or even the kinetic of having the book and, you know, the pages and the, all of that. It's amazing. Thank you. It was wonderful writing it. Of course, always challenging. But yeah, it's fun talking about it. Thank you for having me on. Yeah, yeah. No, no, my pleasure. So stay tuned, guys. Next next episode is going to be that. So you can follow on or, yeah, just get the book and have a look at it. All right. Take care. I'll chat with you soon, Nanette.